0: light-skinned girls were pretty because i was always the black ugly girl because like you can look at all the lighter skin confessions and everybody's in love with them and their face and everything and it's like well dang is because i'm dark-skinned i'm not pretty i'm mm. not i always thought i wasn't I can't get up I can't get up. I love your tears, how shiny they make your face. It's What's up, you guys? Welcome to another segment of Meninge Trois. I'm your hostess, Keeks, and I would like to welcome you to my podcast. We are back at it with another episode. Uh, we are approaching... Oh my gosh, last day of February is tomorrow. Oh, that's okay, because for the culture, still lives on. Black history still lives on, continues, 365-248, you know what I'm saying? Um. But how are y'all? Hopefully everyone has been having a great week. We are at the, men of the, we are at the end of the second month of 2019, y'all. I hope everyone has been getting some things accomplished, fulfilling some goals. If you haven't, get on it. Get on it, get on it, get on it. Spring is right around the corner. What fruits are you going to be bearing come spring? Um, but I'm going to just go ahead and get into the formalities. What I got for y'all today? Um, First announcement is follow SFA Charlotte, my other podcast team. Where I, Brother Stokes, and my brother, Caitlin, we released a beautiful episode talking about black love, y'all. It was so therapeutic. It almost brought me to tears. Make sure y'all check that out. Y'all can follow our podcast at s.f.a.charlotte. You guys can also follow our Instagram account at sfa.charlotte. And make sure y'all subscribe to our podcast. Available on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Radio Public, Breaker, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, Overcast, and CastBox. Secondly, make sure y'all listen to my previous episode talking about intersectionality. Now, I know that that intro was kind of strange, you know what I'm saying? I kind of forgot to do some technology, you know what I'm saying? But it's cool. It's all love, you know, learning and growing as I'm doing this. Um, which is crazy, but what, whatever, I'm not going to even get into all that, whatever. Make sure y'all it out my last episode talking about intersectionality with Nature Valley. And finally, make sure y'all follow my social media accounts at Meninjaitwa on Facebook, on Instagram, and on Twitter. But other than that, I don't have anything else for you guys. So we're going to go ahead and get into this material right away. So today I'm going to be talking to you guys about colorism. Mm -hmm. You know, that light skin versus dark skin bull crap. And, you know, sometimes it's all fun and games, but sometimes there is a truth, an ugly truth to all of this, you know, behind all the memes and things like that. You have to be mindful of the type of messages that you are receiving when you are um, entertaining things as such. And really pay attention to the rhetoric and see how that rhetoric is being conveyed to you and how that is affecting your attitude and your beliefs and your behaviors when it comes to colorism within a black community. And this term was first introduced in the early 1900s. It was interesting looking at some of the definitions they have for colorism, but I'm going to go ahead and give you guys a few definitions and then also, you know, just follow up with a uh, more direct, straightforward way of saying it. A less educated way. Let's just say that. So colorism, according to Google, it is the prejudice or discrimination against individuals with a dark skin tone. Typically among people with the same ethnic or racial group. I also added in a sentence they had pertaining to colorism, because I found this to be interesting, but the sentence they used, you know, when, after defining the term is, colorism within the black community has been a serious emotional and psychological battle. And it has. That was another reason why I wanted to add the sentence, because I find that to be very true. The second definition I have comes from tolerance.org. They define colorism as prejudice attitudes and or discriminatory acts against people based on the color, shade or tone of their skin. So right there you see the difference within the def- within the definitions. And Google's definition they say how it's a prejudice discrimination against people with the darker skin tone. Specifically with people with a darker skin tone. Whereas tolerance says that it's just a pre- it's a prejudice and It's prejudice and discriminatory acts towards people based on their skin tone. So it's very interesting that Google specified it to uh, people with a darker skin tone compared to Tolerance.org who said it's uh, based on skin tone as a whole. Then the final definition of colorism I got from the very beautiful and great Alice Walker. She defined colorism as prejudicial Or preferential treatment of same race people based solely on their color. So again, she doesn't specifically say, oh, colorism only pertains to this particular skin tone of people or complexion of people. It pertains to prejudice and discrimination towards people based on their complexions as a whole. And Essentially, it's the idea of a the harsh not the the a prejudice and discrimination towards people based on their skin tone where you feel like one skin tone is better than another skin tone for x y and z reasons. That's how you have the light skin versus dark skin thing. And I really wanted to talk about this um because I wish I had information about these things when I was younger. You know, I've had my own personal experiences with colorism and being a beautiful, melanated black, dark brown chocolate woman, you know. Um being coming to a point where I'm able to celebrate my blackness and really be proud of it. It's been a it's been a journey in Now that I'm able to do that, and I have that, it is so profound and so significant to me because for a long time, I did not feel that way. And no one really knows this because this wasn't something I was talking to people about. You know, again, because, you know, I wasn't a verbal communicator. I wrote everything. So a lot of times people really didn't know what was going on with me. But um, having this information would have been so helpful to me at a young age. So... I really want to send this episode to all of my melanated people, people of color, black people. And hopefully, in listening to this, you can all learn to celebrate and honor your blackness in whatever tone it is. Right away, I just think of my little cousins who have chocolate skin and, you know, being proud of being black and being dark skin and having kinky hair. And having those four C curls, like, it's so important. But I'm, I'm not gonna even start with the preacher, you know, I'm gonna say that for the you know what I'm saying. So we're gonna go ahead and get into the history. So, in the context of America, it's safe to assume that the uh, history of colorism started with the separation of the slaves. You know, where black people were enslaved, you had the field slaves, And you had the house slaves. The field slaves were of darker skin complexion and they worked outside of the house. They were not permitted inside for various reasons, but primarily because of their skin tone. They were also used in the procreation methods of more slaves to labor in the fields. So they were only seen as being Objects. I mean, essentially, black people weren't even recognized as human, but that's a whole other conversation. Um, But that's the field slave. Dark skin, worked outside, was not allowed in the house, and was only used as a means of procreating more slaves. The house slave worked in the house. These were slaves of lighter skin complexions. And they typically were related to the um to the slave owner. And the house slaves were allowed at privileges that field slaves were not. One of those privileges was having access to the inside of the house. You know, being able to be inside of the house grants you a whole other level of privileges because now it's like okay, the fact that you even get to eat get a better meal than. The field slaves, you know, the field slaves were giving us scraps and everything. The house slaves, you know, I'm not saying that they necessarily sat at the table and ate, you know. But I know that there were some advantages they had in being house slaves and being able to be on the inside of the house. And um. I don't feel like they were fully... Degraded because they were house slaves, and maybe also because they had a relation to the slave owners. And one thing about the house the house slaves is that they were typically they were mulatto babies, and that's why I'm saying that they were related to uh, the slave owners because again, you had the slave owners going out to uh, rape one of the women who was a field slave. She's pregnant, and she gives birth. To this mulatto or mixed or biracial baby and that's how you would get the house slave now this exercise of privilege to fairer complexion um, people or fairer complexion slaves at least in this context immediately created an idea in the minds of black people that to have fairer skin granted you privileges and advantages that many darker skinned black people did not have. You seen it right there in the um in the context of slavery and just seeing how those dynamics worked within a house. Having a th- having having fairer skin just being able to be inside the house compared to being outside and working in extreme heat conditions and just working over working overwhelmingly you're not given water you may not you're not even getting food you're being whipped and all these things like it was such a different experience from being a house slave and being a field slave so right there and seeing that Black people formulated this idea, the lighter your skin, the better your advantage. The further you can get in life because you're closer to whiteness. And I might be jumping a little bit ahead, ahead, but I'm definitely going to dive back into that. And this is why you will hear some black people say things about wanting light-skinned babies and They don't want their babies to have nappy hair Or they want to have mixed babies When you hear Black people say things like that That's a product of the slave mentality They feel To be closer to white is better Or best Because Of X, Y, and Z And I'm going to get into X, Y, and Z But you know I'm just trying to Organize my thoughts So it all flow better um, They noticed that People who had fairer skin complexions Experienced less discrimination They were seen as beautiful In the eyes of the dominant culture And in the eyes of the slave owner Who at the time had authority over them And that power dynamic within itself And seeing this person who if this person who has authority over me and has power, if they see me as being beautiful, how does that matriculate down the, the pyramid? And this bleeds into the dominant culture because at least, especially, well, yeah, within the American context, because American beauty standards are centralized around whiteness where anything that looks white is seen as being beautiful and anything that is black or has African ancestry is seen as being ugly. So again, you have the binary, the black and white, but within the spectrum of, or the range of black and white, you see that they oppose one another. Within the white, you have favor. Within the black, you have demeaning, you have degradation, you have objectification, you have use of being a tool rather than celebrating your humanity. Within the white, or in having European features in relation to, you know, uh, human attributes. The white and European features in a context of America's beauty standards. These are the features that they look to in determining if something is beautiful. And having white and European features, you know, having a thin nose, having thin lips, having lighter or paler skin, having smaller eyes, having loose curls in your hair texture, if any, having any curls in your hair texture, having straight hair. All of those qualities are European qualities, and if you are a person of color who has those, you are automatically labeled as being more beautiful than a person who has African or black physical attributes. Because, again, America's beauty standards are centered around European features and celebrating European uh, ideas of beauty. Of course, Europeans, of course, well, America is going to be centered around Europeans' beauty standards because the the people who colonized this nation and uh, named it America came from Europe so they're coming over from Europe with their own ideologies philosophies psychologies and basically setting the tone for this nation so of course they're automatically going to say well yeah you know what's beautiful is how we look and then seeing how they practice that you know they didn't even they didn't acknowledge black people as being human that's one thing but they didn't even see black people as people I feel like I just said the same thing but the thing I'm trying to get at is that, of course, they wouldn't include us in their beauty standards because they didn't recognize us as being human. And not only that, they didn't even recognize us as being beautiful. They didn't recognize us as being attractive, even though they were always raping us. They, you would not hear it come from their mouths if they were... It's not even just about being physically attractive Because I feel like, again, just having a physical attraction You know, that automatically sets this idea of objectification And that's not what I'm trying to get at here But They would not recognize black or African features as being beautiful Because that's not what their intentions was To see us As being beautiful Or to see us as being human And, again, that's another conversation for another day. Um, So when you look at having black or African features in relation to America's beauty standards, it would be seen as being unattractive because, again, it's the complete opposite of what whiteness and or European features is. And remember how I mentioned how you have the binary And in having that binary black and white, they automatically oppose each other. If one is beautiful, then the other one has to be ugly. If one is highly favored, then the other one has to be highly disadvantaged. If one is celebrated, then one has to be degraded, dishonored. So in having African and black features, you know, and having a broader nose, fuller nips, Fuller nips. What? Oh my gosh. (laughs) Well, okay, no. But having a broader nose, fuller lips, more round eyes, a darker skin complexion, and tighter curl patterns in your hair. Those things were seen as being unattractive, as being ugly. Because again, it's the complete opposite of what whiteness is in relation to America and that Eurocentric beauty standard to be white is perceived to be best because it is closer to white and in America anything in relation to whiteness is honored as being good and celebrated because America is a society that operates within and practices racism where whiteness is upheld as superior and best or better Racism practices white superiority and and having something such as colorism where it's a byproduct of racism. This is how this is an example of how like racism impacts not just white on black relationships, but black on black relationships. And seeing how black people treat and how black people can discriminate against each other based on complexion. Oh, you got a lighter skin tone. Oh, you're pretty. Oh, you got a darker skin tone. eh, Kind of a thing. And even in black people seeing the privileges that come with being closer to whiteness, that's an act of... That's, that's, a, that's a physical act of racism within itself because it's like you see and you are aware that being closer to whiteness does come with different treatments. You believe that those who are closer to being white are not treated as harshly. They're discriminated against lesser. I don't feel like I worded that right, but we're going to ride with it. And they're more beautiful. Why do you feel that way? You feel that way because the nation within you reside tells you that, and they show you that. And again, the root of this came from, you know, the house slave versus the field slave and just seeing how they were treated and basically a matriculation of that to today. Throughout the continuation of American history Lighter or fairer-skinned people were highly favored than darker-skinned black people. And that's the thing. We all black. If you ain't white, I'm not going to say if you ain't white, they see you as black, because that's definitely not true. But if you do identify as black, and even in having a lighter skin tone, they still see you as black. Having lighter skin doesn't necessarily make you any close I mean, in your mind, maybe it makes you closer to whiteness, but at the end of the day, they still going to see you as black. You still a nigga in their eyes, G. Now, I pulled up a couple of things that I found in doing my research. One was this rhyme. I didn't know. I never heard of this rhyme before. And come to find out, it's a child rhyme. It says, if you're black, stay back. If you're brown, stick around. If you're yellow, you're mellow. If you're white, you're all right. Again, that's a child's rhyme. So children are going around saying things like this. And this is why, this is another reason why I wanted to make this episode. Because, you know, you never know how a kid's self-esteem, you never know where it may be. If your child is receiving things like this at school and at home or something like if they're if they're hearing this at school, then they're going home and they're being told uh, that they're not pretty because they have a darker skin tone and just being told, you know, being told all the ways that they're not attractive or. Appealing and things like that That stuff can really take a toll on your confidence And on your self esteem And Just knowing that Being black in America Means you are dealing with this In every spectrum And I feel like colorism is a great example Of showing like how Dealing with racism How it's so um, how it exists everywhere like this isn't something that you can just run away from because it's the only thing you, its it's something you only have to deal with at work. This is something that you could deal with at home. Another thing I found out about in doing my research is the brown paper bag test, and i'm gonna read an excerpt for an article I found on a website called blackthen dot com and it reads. The the brown paper paper bag test was an actual test along with the so-called ruler test in common use in the early 1900s among upper class black American societies and families to determine if a black person was sufficiently white to gain admittance or acceptance. If your skin was darker than a brown paper bag, you did not merit inclusion. Thousands of black institutions, including the nation's most eminent black fraternity, Phi Alpha Phi, at Howard University, and numerous church and civic groups, all practice this discrimination. The practice has 19th century Antidescence with the blue blood society and has not totally died out. Again, colorism is something that is practiced in the black community. If your skin complexion was darker than a brown paper bag, child of the Lord, my skin is darker than a brown paper bag. You were not accepted. And the fact that this was used as a measurement to get into a fraternity, and I wouldn't even be surprised if sororities did the same thing. Yo, that's, that's messed up. And this is black-on-black black relationships. This is how we treat each other. Oh. <sighs> So, I wanted to go ahead and talk about colorism today because, you know, that was pretty much the history of colorism. I feel like it's important to acknowledge and attack colorism because, again, this, uh, this... it's something that impacts the black community and it impacts black on black relationships. And I know, you know, we see the memes and, you know, we laugh and make jokes and things like that. Like, I know I have been a participant in this, too. And it's really hard to know, OK, where do we draw the lines? At the end of the day, you never know how a person may feel in all this joking and all this laughter. Sometimes somebody might laugh a little bit too hard, you know. And essentially, people may not be secure. I don't even want to say it's about being secure because this really does shed light on something that is very real. And I feel like I know I wanted to talk about this because I feel like if we allow colorism to continue to fester, it manifests, into, it manifests as or manifests into self-hate. Divide within the black community and negligence toward the black community. And I basically broke down like, okay, why does it manifest into these things? I'm going to go ahead and break that down. It manifests into self-hate because the person who is being discriminated against begins to have or develop low confidence, low self-esteem, and then hate towards their selves and their own race when i think of a person who is not discriminated against i can see them as um you know seeing that they are being praised more uh, maybe even receiving a lot of uh recognition and being honored and being celebrated but maybe this presents an invisible weight on them because it's like now they feel pressured to uh, be, I don't know, like you feel pressured to be something that you may not even fully understand. And you're going to be, you're always going to hear people say things like, oh, you're pretty because you're fair skin and oh my gosh, I love your hair. Like, I can only imagine how that would make a person feel. I mean, you know, that's if you're uh, conscious of these things. There's some people who are not conscious of colorism. So, you know, they hear things and they're just kind of like, oh, you know, some people brush it off. Some people speak up about it. Some people just ignore it as a whole. Um... But when I think and reflect on my own experiences when it comes to colorism, I just think of how of some of the challenges I face with just trying to, I don't even want to try to, I wouldn't even say trying to fit in. I just knew I was different. So like I said, I'm, I'm melanated, you know, nice little chocolate woman. Um, but in growing up, I would hear things like, oh, you're cute for a dark skinned girl you're so pretty, which I feel like being, receiving compliments about being pretty, like, I I accept that, and I do understand, you know, yes, I am, I am beautiful, I am pretty, Um, but it was almost in a sense where it's like, okay, are you calling me pretty just because I'm I have a darker complexion, which sometimes it was It' Because like I said, some people would say things like, oh, you're cute for a dark-skinned girl. And I'm like, well, what the heck is that supposed to mean? Like, damn it. Like, well, are you trying to say that dark-skinned women are ugly? Like, what what are you what are you saying? Um. Or it would also be this thing where it's like receiving so many compliments about being physically attractive that you kind of feel like people only see you In a sexual way. Because again I do feel like. um, We see it in the media. Where black women are objectified. And only seen as sexual possessions. Just as how the slave masters back then. Seen black women as sexual possessions. They would rape them. And. Leave. Leave. And I, I don't understand if this clusters with me being a woman as well. Because, um, you know, you also hear about women being objectified and things like that. But I just really want to get to the point of being able to accept and embrace me. And not just me, black women as being multifaceted. Beautiful, phenomenal, empowering beings that are worth being uplifted, protected, and celebrated. Not liking my melanin because, well, yeah, not liking my melanin because you only see me as being a sexual being. Seeing me as being a human being in its fullness and embracing it. And I can be completely honest and saying, like, there were times where I didn't like being uh, or having a darker complexion because, you know, I would hear so many comparisons about, you know, dark skinned girls compared to light skinned girls, you know, and dark skinned girls having attitude problems and light skinned girls being more pretty. And having longer hair and um only being like being told that you're pretty for a dark skinned girl, like what does that say uh, right away? you begin to assume like are you okay so are you are you just saying that typically all dark skinned women are unattractive or we're not pretty or we're not beautiful and it even came to a point to where I had low self esteem and I didn't like some of my own features you know having a a more broad nose and having darker skin and having kinky hair I didn't like those parts of myself and for me it was also one of those things where it was like me being different was always associated as whiteness. And I don't even want to say me being different because it was me being me. But I know uh, I touched on this before in the episode Nature Valley and I did and just saying how, you know, being told that I acted like a white girl if I uh, fully pronunciated my words Or being told I acted like a white girl because I listened to different genres of music outside of hip-hop and R&B. You know, because I listened to soft rock, rock, techno, and rave music. Because I listened to that kind of music, I was called white. Not just by black people. I had white people calling me, oh, you're whiter than me. So... For me, it's like, okay, but I'm not white. I'm black. And damn it, why is it that every time I find interest in something that's not so uh, that doesn't fit the black stereotype that I'm seeing as being white? Black people do this, too. Why? And then it's like at that time, again, I didn't have the knowledge or the education to know these things. And I didn't fully understand it. But for me, it was like, why can't black people listen to this kind of music, too? Why can't black people talk like this, too? Like, why do we only have to listen to hip hop and R&B? Why do we only have to talk using Ebonics and slang? Why is that? Because I'm doing my like, you know, like all of those things were related to whiteness. And for me, it's like, okay, but I'm not white. And it was just hard for me to adjust at times because, again, it's like I feel like I was always called out for being different. Having white friends say things like, you're whiter than me, and then having black friends say, oh, you're a white girl. And it's like, you know, People may not have meant any harm in saying those things, but again, no one knew where my confidence was, and no one knew where my self esteem was. And though in listening and receiving those things, it was at a time where I did not love myself. I was very, I was feeling very low about myself. My confidence in myself was very low. My self esteem was very low. And in hearing these things, it's like it was, it was just attacking it, excuse me, even more, and I just didn't like um, being called out in a way that I felt belittled, I wanted to be embraced no matter what, and for that reason, like, I've always had a diverse group of friends, because it's like, again, I just wanted to be embraced for who I am, and not be called out for being different, and that's where I felt the most comfortable, where I didn't feel like people were always calling me out, you know? Like, I had some black friends, too, but um, usually the black friends that would call me a white girl and all of that, it's like, all right, I ain't going to hang around you too much because I'm not about to keep dealing with that. I don't want to hear that, you know? Um, now... I'm not really sure how colorism affects black men um, because I am a black woman and, you know, um, I do have younger brothers. And I know for me, I am... um, I don't know if my youngest brother has experienced or had any encounters with this yet. Actually, yes, he has. My mom says it all the time. You look light-skinned, nigga. Like, she say that to him all the time. Um, Or just call him, like, call him out for being light-skinned. And again, I don't think she means any harm in it or whatever because she always says it in, like, a jokish way. But again, I'm not sure how that impacts him. But I am curious to know how colorism affects black men. Um, Because I know that, you know, it is something that is within the black community. And I don't want to say that it only affects black women. Because I do believe it affects black women, I mean, black men as well In I say this confidently because I feel like this is one reason why black men feel that it's okay to demean one woman to uplift another. Oh, I don't like dark-skinned girls because they got attitude problems and they ugly. But I like a red bone or a white girl because of this and this and that. And... Just spewing that kind of rhetoric where you feel like not only do you have to degrade one woman to a to degrade one woman to uplift another, but you're being discriminatory towards a skin tone, a complexion, and sometimes it is specific as being discriminatory towards a race. And you know, I know everyone has different ideas about dating outside of their race and things like that. And I'm actually going to be talking about that pretty soon, too, um, interracial relationships, but I just want to know, why do you feel like you had to demean and talk down on one group of people in order to uplift another, and one message I have, one thing I do want to say to black men who exercise these kinds of behaviors is, think about, what, what if that's your sister? If someone said that to your sister, if someone said that to your mother, if someone said that to your grandmother, to your aunts, to your little cousins, to your cousins, you got to make stuff real personal for people to get it sometimes, for people to put it into perspective. You got to make it real personal. What if somebody said that to your daughter? How do you think that would make them feel? And seeing how you treat black women and your lack of respect for black women. Because again, I feel like a lot of times when it, when it comes to black men, um, they feel a need to talk down on one woman to uplift another. If, what if someone was doing that same thing to people that you have close relations to? Um, that was one thing. And then the other thing I wanted to add was just saying how I'm not sure how colorism affects black men. You know, I'm not sure black, I'm, I'm, I'm not specifically sure or aware of the ways that, um, these things operate or exist for black men. Like if black men get called out for having kinkier hair, I know, I know I have heard things about black men being black, you know, having darker complexions and being so black they look blue and just being talked about because they're black and being called ugly because they're black. Um, and maybe, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say women don't spew the same rhetoric because they definitely do, talking about, oh, I don't date black guys because blah, 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 you know? And just thinking about, again, how this affects a person's psyche, their esteem, their confidence, their emotions, and how they begin to feel about themselves, especially if this is something that you're hearing all the time. If you feel like your blackness is already is always attacked at work, at school, even at home, you get to a point to where you're like, damn it, can I get a break? Can I get a break? so I am curious to know of other ways that this um that this operates in relation to black men um but that's pretty much as far as my uh knowledge goes with that, and again, I feel like it's another one of those things where it's like you know black men being the opposite of the eurocentric beauty standard, you know, where essentially anything that is not white or uh of European standards, it's black and therefore uh has African and dis African descent and is therefore unattractive, unappealing, ugly. And that's not true. Black is beautiful, black is resilient, black is powerful, black is love. Black is encompassing, black is empowering. Black is beautiful. What's up y'all? I'm sorry to interrupt, but I just wanna take a minute of your time. Are you based in Charlotte? Are you looking for dessert catering for a party, an event, or even a late night snack? I know I have just what you need. One name at Mated underscore desserts. What better way to satisfy your sweet craving and get lit than with some Hennessy cupcakes? Got a sweet tooth? She has anything and everything you need. Y'all, I'm talking cupcakes, cakes, chocolate-covered strawberries, chocolate-covered pretzels, cake pops, brownies, cupcake jars. You name it, she got it. And she does custom orders. And she's super affordable. I can guarantee your taste buds will be satisfied. Make sure y'all follow my show me on Instagram at MoMadeIt That is at M-O-M-A-D-E-I-T underscore desserts. Go to her for all of your baked goods needs. Oh, and one more thing. Tell her Keek sent you. Moving forward. Next point I bring up is divide. I feel like colorism perpetuates divide within a black community because this self-hate that a person has and develops ...manifests into a hate for the black race as a whole. So much that it's like you cannot accept or love yourself. If you cannot love or accept yourself for your blackness... ...therefore anything that is connected to this is immediately unacceptable to you. It's not something that you're willing to accept. You immediately see it as being ratchet or ghetto or uncivilized behavior... You become ashamed of your race because, oh, my gosh, why are they behaving this way? Oh, my gosh, they are making us look bad kind of a thing. When you are also black and it's like you're trying to make this attempt to disassociate yourself with blackness when you really cannot because you're going to deal with that all the time. And this is another thing I want to add in here. When black people do certain things, it's called ratchet or ghetto or uncivilized. But let someone else of another racial identity do the same thing. Oh, it's funny. Oh, it's exotic. Oh, it's entertaining. Like You see that so much on social media today, especially with people mimicking black women. You know, with the wigs and the robes and the hair bonnets and just the way that they're moving their body language and trying to mimic black women and mimicking how black women behave. If if black women are attacked for doing that every single day, every single day, they're talked about. They're seen as being ratchet and ghetto, but other people of a different racial identity can do it and it's entertaining. It's funny. Like... Quit cherry picking off the culture, yo. Quit culture appropriating. Again, that's another episode for another day. Um, But, yeah, this creates a divide within a black community because it's like you have people that have hate for themselves because of their blackness. And it's like essentially that self-hate channels to a communal self-hate. If you don't like your own blackness, then anything that is connected to blackness and being black, you're not going to like. You're going to hate it. And you're going to try to disassociate yourself so much from blackness when you cannot escape it. And that's the divide. And you trying to. The divide and you trying to separate yourself from it. But also the divide in a sense that it's creating more divide within a community because, you know, there are so many people that are trying to disassociate themselves with blackness, even though they are black. If that makes sense. But I feel like I explained that pretty well. Then the final point I have is negligence towards the black community. I feel like if you have self-hate towards yourself in relation to blackness and you have a self-hate towards the black community as a whole, you're going to be, you're going to turn your back on uh, issues that pertain to the black community. Because again, if you don't identify as such, you're not going to um, try to, you're not going to try to work in a way, you're not going to try to provide any solutions to any issues that may plague the black community you are uninspired to help better the black community and you have a nonchalant attitude and you don't care because again you don't identify with this so you feel like it's separate from you I don't have to deal with this because you know I'm not black or I don't identify as black I identify as human being and it's like I understand that whole mentality too but look it'd be nice to just wake up and not see race. It'd be nice to just wake up and not have to worry about, um, being discriminated against because of your skin complexion. It would be very, very nice to be disadvantaged. I mean, to not be disadvantaged because of your skin complexion. Um... And I know there are some people that can, I guess, quote unquote, make it. But are you the only one at the table? How many other black people do you see there? Black men and black women. If you're the only one, sweetie, I'm here to tell you, you are the token. Meaning you are the only one they're going to have at that table. And even then, there are some people that are okay with being a token. But again, it's a conversation for another day um well maybe not tokenism is it's having that one token black person like basically that's the diversity within the corporation hiring that one black person male and or female, and you are to compensate for it everything in relation to blackness. I know that's overbearing for you. You got to be this one. You you this one person. You have to be this entire representation of diversity and blackness and anytime there's an issue relating to racism and you know your coworkers are saying something that's culturally insensitive that's out of line that's out of pocket you the CEO done set up here and did something that was racist they look into you for a solution. You're a black person. How can I fix this culturally insensitive shit that I did? again they don't have to worry about this they're not conscious of it either because clearly if they were they wouldn't be doing these racist things that they're doing and clearly they're not trying to become conscious because they run into you to fix the problem i know that's overbearing for you g being a token is very overbearing but again some people are okay with being a token Maybe I should have a conversation with, um, you know, some people who are okay with being a token because I don't want to know. I want to pick your brain. Um, but you can't get away from blackness no matter how much you try to separate yourself from. it. If you are black, you can't get away from that no matter how many white friends you have how many mixed kids you got how many biracial friends you got whether your parents or your grandparents are by like you can't escape it you cannot escape it and I feel like some people like to use having mixed kids or having biracial friends as an excuse to be racist And again, I talked about this in another episode, so I guess I won't go too much into it. But at the end of the day, America will always see you as black and treat you as such. Unless you're Uncle Tom, then that's a whole nother conversation. If you don't know what Uncle Tom is, I suggest you do your research. But again, that's pretty much all that I have on colorism. I just wanted to talk to you guys because, you know, just in doing some reflecting and Thinking about things that I wish I knew and had in growing up in middle school and high school. Things that I wanted to know that could could have helped me. Um, Being a dark-skinned black girl. And that's why it's so important for parents to compliment their kids. Tell them that they're beautiful. Get them black toys so that you know having that representation is so important not giving them black barbies or like you know give them black toys so that they can feel i feel like that helps them to feel um that can help build their confidence And also in praising and complimenting your kids. You are so beautiful. You are so smart. You beautiful black girl. You beautiful black boy. You are so smart. You know that? You are so black and intelligent. Pairing blackness with positivity because everywhere they go, Black is going to be stigmatized, it's going to be labeled as ugly, it's going to be demeaned, it's going to be something negative. So, infuse so much positivity and light and love when you speak in blackness on your kids. Teach them to love themselves for their blackness. Because if you don't, somebody will teach them to hate themselves for that. It is so important. Um, but I think I did enough preaching. Make sure you guys follow my social media accounts at Meninjaitwa, at Meninjaitwa. Again, you guys can follow me on Instagram, on Twitter, and on Facebook. I thank you guys for tuning in to get these mental vibrations for your spiritual stimulation. And I hope y'all have a beautiful, blessed night. Tune in tomorrow for another episode. Adios. I grew up thinking with my mother as my standard of beauty. All the artwork in our house was of beautiful, dark women. With my mom's portrait, the first thing she yeah. get in the house. All my dolls were my color. And I never understood why my parents were like, somebody gave me yoga once, white doll once, and it was like, no. You know, and I, I didn't understand that, but when I got older, I got it. And it's also important that I mean, we raise our sons the same way. Sounds if you, like if you don't want your son to have a color complex or to project colorism, then you need to make sure that your son loves himself. White people affirm whiteness yes. all day long, right. but only black people are expected to invite them to the table right. or yeah. give give our kids white dolls Double or, you know, want yeah. the white Annie, but be like, yeah. oh my God, don't like uh, the, the black Annie Kravodine. I can yeah. never say her name correctly. I love it. We're the ones expected to make concessions. community well.